Well, like every other month, or every month, we have someone who gets the privilege to come up here and share communion, and I get to be the one who gets to do that today. And um, first thing I'd like to say, uh, you know, communion, it talks about the death of the Lord, and it's not something that we should be sad about, have pity on, or just be like, oh, poor Jesus, because without that, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be able to have the opportunity to know Him or the Father. So it's a time to be thankful and to give thanks to the Lord for that because that's a sacrifice only he could have done. None of us could do that. And on that note, I would like to say too that I personally do not know what it's like to have to bear a cross and go what Jesus went through. I will never understand that. I don't think there's no way in the world I will ever know what that was like. But I do understand the purpose behind it. And I do understand the greatness of it because I have a family. I have the church here. I have a relationship with the Lord. I have the, the privilege of looking forward to heaven when I pass on. And that's what the basis for Jesus Christ dying for us for. We would have eternal life. Now, last night I was at home and we had gaming at my house. So it was after 10 o'clock and I'm like, you know, I was talking to Adrian. I was like, I should probably kind of maybe think about getting ready for communion and starting to share. And she's doing stuff around and sure enough, Jacob wakes up crying his head off. So I go in there and I pat him to sleep. And then Elias wakes up. So I'm trying to get Elias to go to sleep. And then i got to take a shower. And I'm just like, man, I'm tired. So I'm going to go to bed. And then I wake up this morning thinking I'm going to get up early and I'm going to share for communion. And sure enough, I didn't get up as early as I wanted to be. I got up and then sure enough, things had to get done. I had to feed the, the animals. I had to do this. I got this done and that done. And, and I had to... Needless to say, nothing changed. I was going to share a communion today, nothing in my life changed. And I was thinking somewhere in my brain, like, oh, I'm going to share a communion. I'm going to have something to share. And God's just going to part everything and stop everything so I can just have time. No, that didn't happen at all. Not even close. If anything, I'm tired and didn't get to spend as much time on it as I wanted to. But that's okay because God showed me something in that. That in my life, I have a scale that's like on one side, I have these revelations of God or my walk with, you know, just like, oh, wow, that's really, that's really insightful. And then on this other side is me walking just whatever I want to do. And when you put those two together, you kind of have faith and works. You have the spiritual side and you're able to walk it out in the natural. And that's where God wants us to be because he says, one scripture, faith without works is dead. And he says, anything that's not done of faith is sin. So in the middle there, there's walking that. And I'm sometimes way over here. Most of the time I'm way over here like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I think about Jesus who was a perfect man, who was able to walk in this world knowing God and walking in the natural, as a natural man, without sinning. And I think about how I have a vision, maybe I have an idea for my kids of how I want them to grow up or what I want to do. And I don't understand how Jesus could walk this world from the day he was born until he could understand that he was going to die on the cross and he was going to suffer such great affliction and being able to go about day-to-day -day life and not wavering that, knowing, well, you know what? This is going to ultimately bring my death. This is ultimately going to bring my death. I don't think like that. A lot of times I'll think, you know what? I want my kids to grow up like this or I want to be able to do it in my household. And then a lot of times I just get veered off onto something and I'm over here doing this or I'm over here doing that. And I don't think about that. And what it really kind of showed me in the whole scheme of things is that, yes, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and he gave us the opportunity to come to him, to know him, to have eternal life. 
And then he rose on the third day to give us that life, to show that he, he overtook death. He overtook hell and the grave. He took the keys of death. And that's where we get to come in and accept his life that he gave us and be able to live with him and to walk with him every day, have that relationship with him. But if you read in the scriptures, not so much as it's, a, it's like, well, what am I going to get out of this? But if you read it as his life, you notice that nothing changed in his life. He still dealt with disciples. He still had to yell at them. He fed, you know, at 5,000 at one time and 4,000. It's like 9,000 people he fed. Life didn't stop for him, even though he was the son of God. And we have also that calling in our lives to be joint heirs with Christ, to be the sons of God, to be the ambassador of Christ. And somewhere in our thinking, or at least in mine, I think, wow, you know, I'm a son of God today. I got this religious thing to do today, and I'm just going to have my little time with Jesus. Well, no. My time with the Lord is me waking up in the morning, reading my word, and then dealing with my family. Making sure my kids are dressed and fed in the morning. Making sure my wife is okay when she leaves the house, that she's covered by the word that morning. When I go to work, doing everything that's set before me to do. And as we partake of communion today, let's just remember that because Jesus was going to have the communion but he was doing it as the Passover. And from my understanding, everyone was doing Passover. Because that's what you did on that day. You had Passover. So as they're having Passover, in the middle of that, that's when he starts having communion. He didn't like make some... It was all in the day-to-day stuff that we live. And as if anything, take from this that when we're done here or when we're at the potluck or when we're listening to Victor preach today, it's all the same. Regardless of how we may look at it on the outside... Our walk with the Lord doesn't change from circumstance to day to day to I don't feel like it today or oh man that's a great revelation let me go let me go ponder that for an hour no it's not really how it works it works when I'm able to know the Lord see what's set in front of me and say boy I really don't like pot roast but I'm going to eat this with thanksgiving in my heart because it's what God has for me today and I know that's kind of weird but he had to talk to Peter about eating un Uncommon. Oh, no, no, I ain't going to eat that. But you know what? That's where God deals with us in the everyday thing. And so as, uh, as we're doing that, I just wanted to read this. And this is in Matthew. It's 26, verse 26. It's the Lord's Supper. And it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat this. This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. And that's what we're here to remember, that Jesus Christ lived this life for I don't know how many years, 33, I suppose, or he lived this life with the disciples, yelling at them, you know, correcting them, dealing with people, making people and speaking the word and having people leave, and he didn't seem to bother them. Walking this life with his father in a relationship naturally in the world, not naturally, but in the world, he walked it knowing that he was going to die for us today. Now, he didn't die for me because he's like, Nash, I know that guy. He's got something. He's going to... No, that's not why he died for me, and that's not why he died for any of us. He died for us because he loved the Father, and that's his nature to die for us, to give his life for us. And that's what I was thinking about last night as I wanted to go to bed, and I was tired, and my kids needed me because they were... You know, Elias wasn't sleeping, and Jacob wasn't sleeping. So I said... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this time and I'm going to make sure they get to sleep because they need their sleep. And that's where it dawned on me. You know, that's my life. That's my, that's my communion with the Lord when I can give up my life and I can say in this practical thing right here, my kids need me or my brother needs me here or this person needs me here. 
that's where, that's where the communion hits the road, right there when, I need, when someone needs me. And they're like, this simple thing, but yep, I'm going to put my life on the line, put it off to the side and say, this is what it needs to be done right now. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's what communion is really about because Christ didn't stop everything to give communion. He just went along with the flow, had communion, went and prayed, and then he was arrested, and then we know what went on from there. Life doesn't stop for us, even though we know the Lord. And let's not forget that and try to get too much off on the right side. And like, oh, I'm just walking for the Lord, or we over here like, oh, I'm just communing with God. It doesn't work for me, and I don't think it's going to work for anybody else here. So um, we can have the, the servers come forward. Uh, Father, Jesus, thank you for us having this opportunity right now to remember the sacrifice that you made uh, throughout your life, being able to walk uprightly without any sin, Lord, but then ultimately taking the cross upon yourself that we may have life today, that we could know you, Father. We just ask that you would anoint this time right now as we partake of your body and your blood of the New Testament, Father, that we would have a relationship with you that goes on farther than my own understanding, Father, that you would be our mercies every day, Lord, that we would know you and that we would be able to come to you unashamedly and be able to walk with you throughout the days. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I was just thinking, I was thinking, I should probably mute this and go take care of my kid because he's, he's back in the nursery right now throwing a fit and my wife's in there dealing with him. And I'm thinking, you know, even though I'm up here and I'm sharing and maybe some people might think it's a good word or not, my kid is still going to throw a fit. I'm still going to have problems tomorrow. And that's where I have to look and say, am I taking what I got now, my relationship with the Lord, what I'm remembering now, am I going to take it tomorrow with me? Am I going to take it beyond tomorrow? Because right now, everything is going fine for me. I'm up here sharing. We're all sitting here. Things are quiet. We're enjoying ourselves. But tomorrow is going to come. And we're going to have problems in our lives. And I'm going to have to deal with my kids. And I'm going to have to deal with you guys. And you're going to have to deal with me. And are we going to remember that Christ died for us. That we can live a life greater than what our circumstances. And what we be think is true in our lives. Or man my brother right now is just really being an idiot. And I don't want to deal with him. But you know what God overcame that. By the blood of the cross. Even the smallest things he overcame. And even the greater things he overcame. So like the Lord as he was sitting there eating with the disciples, he said, take, eat, this is my body. Let's partake. And he says, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament. As we do that, we say, thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I think the more and more that God walks with me or knows me, I find that his ways are increasingly strange to me because I'm starting to walk with him maybe in a closer and closer way. And the only reason I'm saying that or hesitating to say that because I don't believe it's really, I don't really like think that I'm really walking with the Lord any better than 20 years ago. And I think we, we kind of, I, I think there is a natural type of a growth that happens just as life goes on. 
But I think that's really a natural kind of a thing. It's not necessarily like a spiritual thing. But I think as more we walk with the Lord and we have a relationship with Him, we realize how different we are from Him. You know, it's kind of like if you see something afar off, you kind of go, well, I kind of see that. But as you get closer to that, it starts to take on a form and a shape. And you, boy, it's not what it looked like before. And I believe in walking with the Lord. And as you read the Scriptures and then go through life and the Holy Spirit is dealing with us, I find that God is exceedingly more strange than I could ever have imagined. And because His ways are not our ways. And it's a continual process of the Holy Spirit working in our lives to form us into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, some weeks ago, we talked about the garden. And Jesus uses the example of the vine, and His Father is the husbandman, or the pruner, the the one who watches the garden. And that is a continual, ongoing process. Now, again... My idea, because now again, the Bible talks about that when before we knew God, or before we were saved, we served other gods. And so, it's not like, well, boy, we didn't know anything. We served other images, other gods, other ideas. And those things still affect us. And we're going to look at that as we get into Proverbs chapter 8. We're going to continue on that. But basically, the vine or the tree needs to be continually pruned in order for it to produce the shape that God wants from it. Now, it's very easy, and the Bible talks about that there is just wild olive trees, and they just kind of go like this, and you can't, you know, they don't really look real nice. But God has a, in everything that God does, He has a design. He has something that takes shape. In the beginning, he created things. And each animal looked different. That's why Adam could name them. Each tree looks different. Each thing has a shape or a design that God has intended. And now that we have come to Christ, there is a design that he now wants to form in us. And that design, according to the Lord Jesus Christ, is something that continually needs to be pruned. Because a tree left to itself would just be like a child left to itself. You have a wonderful tree, and it's just the shape that you want it. But come next fall, there are some strange branches that have come out. Now, they're not necessarily wrong, but they take away from God's purpose and design from that tree. So God has to come by. Now, if you're like me, I thought that, and I would like it to be, a one-time process. I'm pruned. Wow, great. And, but I find these, they just keep coming out. And I think because we have misplaced fleshly desires, that we really don't, how many people like to be messed with? Like to be told what they, even as Nash here is, is talking, and I think we're living in an ever-increasingly wicked society that actually is going to erode all the foundations of anything godly. Even it talks about the, the Antichrist is going to remove anything of godliness. But I think we're living in a society that actually godly things are becoming, well, I don't like that. And it's being thrown away. So when you hear, like Nash was up here saying, and Jesus yelled at his disciples. Did anybody else get that? Like, ooh, Jesus shouldn't yell at, oh, I don't think he should say that. Well, why is that? 
But I think if you know, in, I, I think when Jesus got up, now understand, Jesus was outside. He didn't have one of these. He's outside preaching to 5,000. I think the man had a voice. And they say, well, you have to turn me up. I think he was able to, and I know, I think it was Finney. Was it Charles Finney? He said, if you can't preach to 5,000, you don't have the call of God. Now, I'm offended. Now, we are living in an ever-increasing spirit of the time where offense is being done away with. But Jesus, the Bible actually says that the gospel is to offend. Jesus actually turns to His disciples and says, Does this offend you? Jesus spoke some words that were meant to offend. They were meant to prune. They were meant to take, make, form a shape. But without a vision, there was a great sign across the street the other day, is that if you don't know where you're going, any road is fine. Oh, well, I'm just kind of like this and my branches go like this. And, but that's not what God desires. There has to come a place where I have a vision, I have a purpose, so prune me up. Now, I worked in an orchard for a while and it seemed like every week there was something new to be done. When you were done pruning this, you had to pick the flowers. When you're done doing that, you had to thin the fruit. There was a constant work that had to be done. Now, a tree or a child or a person or a church or disciples left to themselves will what? Bring its mother's shame, the Bible says. They'll just wander away. So there's got to be this continual pruning process that goes on. And sometimes that, well, most of the time, I find, that's what I'm saying, I find God's ways are extremely strange. I find them somewhat challenging to my natural thought processes. See, I want this branch to just come out here. Because that's just the way I am. How many of you have ever had that kind of a, this is just my personality. I just kind of am like that. Well, that's not necessarily right. You might, might just be something you're subject to. The Bible says we're all subject to vanity. As, you know, it's, it's amazing how we can pick different things. See, sometimes your, your, your personality that's been shaped is from those abusive parents that you had if you didn't like it. But when you want to be free, God just made me that way. Well, God has created you, and now you know what He wants to do? He wants to shape you. See, when God creates something, it's just not like, okay, wow, isn't that neat? See, even in the beginning, God created the garden, and He says, this is good, but I'm going to set someone there to take care of it. You need someone to take care of what God created? That's the way He works. Now, see, that bothers me. I don't, that's not my idea of God. See, I had this idea of God, and I, you know, like, you kind of would just, this, the one word answer, and back in the time with, Oh, and you were just, oh, yes, you really, and, and everything was done. But then when I come to the Bible, I find, you know, God does some things that I don't really agree with. See, even in serving God, sometimes we stumble at it. See, sometimes even people that are serving God don't get it right the first time. And it seems like God's pretty well content with that. I think that, and, and some people that are serving God and actually are hearing God audibly sometimes make mistakes. Apostles sometimes can actually be moving in the Spirit of God and they're going to go preach the gospel and God says, don't do that. And he says, okay, and he goes and prays about it. How many times do you know praying, I think, is a good thing? I think praying is a good thing. Jesus teaches us how to pray. And I ask the Lord, Lord, how do I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to pray like this. Because sometimes I get overwhelmed with everything that I can pray for. I mean, I can pray for this person, this person. And I begin to say, man, you know, I mean, how would I tell God what to do here? I mean, God do this and God do that. And, and then look at the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ, your will be done. Now, I think it's a good thing to pray that way. 
But you know that sometimes we can actually pray and we can mishear God? Do you know it's possible? Okay. We all know it's possible now until you heard God tell you the fruit, you know, I can't have a second helping of ice cream. God always tells me a second helping of ice cream is a good thing. And if it has whipped cream, it's definitely the Holy Spirit moving powerfully. Now, I'm saying that in light, but see, that, that kind of thinking is nowhere found in the Bible. You have people that, I mean, they're serving God, but they also need, now they're planted as trees of righteousness, they need pruning. Because left to themselves, they might actually be moving in what we would consider. Sometimes we look back at things, and we see this tremendous move of God in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit falling down, fire, tongues of fire, people being healed by the shadow of Peter, people getting saved by the thousands, they're going into all the world to preach the gospel, people being persecuted, Paul is seen, and we think, man, man, if God was really moving like that, man, I can't wait to do that. Well, it's just like Nash said, well, he's moving just like that today. And he's pruning all along the way. And so here you have in the midst of this great move of God, people are being led of the Spirit. I think it was uh, Barnabas. Was it Barnabas that sold his goods? Barnabas. One of the apostles sold his goods and gave it, said, man, I'm giving all to the church. And man, people go, wow, wow, praise God, that's exciting. And so Ananias and Sapphira, they're, they're in this move of God. I mean, they just, it's only been weeks of days. Or, the Lord has been raised from the dead. This great story is going about. People's lives are being changed. The, the Pharisees are, I mean, the gospel's going out. And here Barnabas is moving, saying, hey, he gives all his money. He's giving his life to the work of God. And here we have some other trees, maybe some little saplings. And they say, ha ha, you know, why don't we sell all our goods too? Now, I don't know, maybe they prayed about it, maybe they didn't, but they kind of felt like, man, inspired. Inspiration is enough to get you into trouble. Okay, now it's good, to, it's good to be inspired, but don't leave off everything else that God has for you. See, I, I mean, how many people like, you, you drive a car? I think the gas pedal's really good. They also have a brake in there. You need both of them, and a steering wheel and so forth. All of these things work together. Many times we think that God is just, God is just the gas pedal. I'm just going to go. How many people kind of feel like that? Man, I want to walk with God, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be happy the rest of my life. Well, I do. And, but see, I don't get that from the Scripture. I just get it because I've served other gods, and I live in a sinful world that is dictating to me out of feeling and appetite rather than from God. Because I read the book of you know, Ecclesiastes, and it says, for everything there's a season. There's a time to be sorrowful. I didn't read that one. There's a time to be happy. There's a time to plant. There's a time to scold. There's a time. Jesus talks about in this world you'll have tribulation. But see, I'm going, I don't hear those things. That's part of the pruning. Sometimes you need this, Victor. Sometimes you need that. And so we must then put ourselves in the position to allow God to shape us. Okay? So here you have Ananias and Sapphira being inspired. And we know what happens. I'm under this great move of God. They sell the, the deal. They sell some of their money. But they, could, they conspire amongst themselves to keep back some of the portion of the money. And then they go and kind of do this, God strikes them dead. And we see these things happening all the time. And we go, wow, how could that happen right in the church? Well, God's pruning. And he's taking shape in our lives for those things. We have, like, J Joshua. Now, Joshua, I mean, you, you, you watch the life of Joshua, tremendous, a man... Hearing God, 
God would speak to him, do this. God would speak to him, do that. And then all of a sudden, he comes to this place, and these, the Gibeonites, the Gibeonites trick him. And Joshua, the man of God, kind of many people think like a, you know, a, a foreshadowing of Christ, and he makes a mistake. Now, how many, now, if your leader, the man of God, makes a mistake, that's enough to throw him under the bus. And I thought, well, Joshua did it. Abraham made a mistake. David makes more than mistakes. Solomon, the wisest man in all the world, I mean, he just kind of blows it. You have all throughout history. See, and, and we have people that God is working in. And i got to come to a place of, Lord, you know what's... It seems to be, to me at this point anyway, that God is not so concerned about my comfort and me getting it right or me like really maturing for my own. See, I like, I'd like to be a museum piece. Kind of my best pose, man, that was Victor Bedoyan. Oh, he's such a nice man. He never hurt animals. Always kind to his children. Oh, that's not what God seems to be interested in. I'd rather say we looked at him and we seen him stricken, smitten of God and we despised him and God's purpose is fulfilled. God has a purpose sometimes we know nothing about. And you have you have Samuel, one of the a great prophet. God speaks to Samuel, doesn't even understand what's happening. He runs to Eli, Eli Eli. Now Eli is the man of God training Samuel. You would think that God would be able to get in there somehow and straighten him out. So Samuel runs to Eli and says, what do you want, Eli, when God spoke to him? Eli says, I didn't call you. He, neither one have an idea. This goes on for most of the night. I don't know why God doesn't let him get a good night's sleep and say, hi, it's just me. He doesn't. And I think in our lives, we don't understand the pruning nature of God. We just expect to be like artificial plants and never change. But God is working in us a living, a lively stones. And there has to be this pruning. And I think that's what really is the tough part of having an ongoing relationship with the Lord is every day He's pruning. And every day our flesh is naturally going the opposite way. And the Holy Spirit is... and we, and and Every year we have to prune the fruit trees. Every month we have to do something. It doesn't happen one time. So, I want us to turn to the book of Proverbs. Try to continue on this line. But with that in mind, I want our minds to be renewed at least to agree with God's perspective. Now, I got this thing written down. He goes, last, we read through the book of, uh, through this chapter on chapter 7 about the strange woman. And using that as a type of unwisdom or foolishness or sensual things that draw us. Now, that, that, that I try to, because when I say strange, the Bible uses the strange woman. It's not strange in the sense that we don't know her or we don't know them. That word strange in that context, whenever it's used in, in, in that, in the book of Proverbs, I'm going I'm to read this. Because the strange woman has a way of talking to you. Now, I'm not talking about just strange women. The strange ideas, those sensual ideas, the ideas that say, 
grow this way, grow that way. You know how to grow. There's something not strange about that. There's something that appeals to our natural desires, and that natural part of us is what God needs and is pruning away. So that word strange, it means to turn aside. It means to do something different than you've been taught. It means to move aside from the pattern that God has designed. So here God prunes, and he's going to have to prune it again. It means to turn aside, to commit adultery, to go another way. Now, if you're committing adultery, that's different than fornication. I know this is a great lesson, so pay attention. It means that you're already married to somebody else. There's a way in which we should be walking, thinking, and acting. The strange woman or the one that wants to pull you away from another is to have adultery. That's why Jesus said, let your eye be single, not adulterated. That's what that word, we only think of it sometimes in, in the sexual connotation. But adultery means it's mixed up. It's not pure. And so we have the, the, this word that comes to us that wants to pull us away from our husband to another way. Now, that's why you have a marriage. See, a marriage is a covenant that you can always look back to and say, I gave my word that this is what I do. Because it's going to come, and one of the great things, forsaking all others, you cleave to your wife. Well, what about old cutie pants in Proverbs 7? Now, she's going to come, like I said, we're living in an age to where the Word of God and the Spirit of God are being forced out of our life, where we don't want to hear truth. The Bible says there's going to come a time, Timothy, in the end times, that people will not want to hear truth, but they're going to give themselves to other words, other teachings, having itching ears. Oh, just make me feel good. My wife doesn't make me feel good anymore. The church doesn't make me feel good anymore. Oh, he's always pruning. He's always... No. That's an, that's, now, that's the way the, the voice of chapter 7 goes. She's not once interested in this person. She's not once interested in the will of God. She's not once interested in, in building something. She's only interested in seducing this man. And that, whenever that comes around, you'll start listening to the voice. It's not going to be the voice of the Father. It's not going to be one that says, stop that. It's always going to appeal to some part of your nature that will pull you away. The temptations of Jesus were, were, were to his fleshly nature, although spiritualized, to pull him away from the will of God. Turn these stones into bread. What was that appealing to? Was, I'm hungry, and I separate them. Throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple and everybody wouldn't have to go to the cross. See, there was now those voices we need to understand and begin to discern in our lives and come to love the voice of the Father. Now that this woman is going, oh my, my bread is perfumed and I have cinnamon and aloes. I just feel led to do this. I want to. Now that's generally not the way your father talks. And again, I think we're coming in an age, and increasingly so, that like we're seeing that there should be no offense, there should be no correction, there should be no leading, no, no instruction. And 
the Father does not have that place to speak as a Father. Beware when you don't want to hear correction. Correction is never easy to hear because it doesn't come across like the woman. Now remember, this woman's going to come decked up not looking like Grandma. She's not going to come looking like Dad saying, you little scamp, get home. Oh, and I think, oh yeah, no. She's going to come make these stones into bread. Oh, Johnny, nobody understands you like I do. Come over here. we got a real calling for you. Beware of that. That's not the voice that we've come to learn. Now, the, 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 at the end of that chapter, because I, I do want to move on, the end of chapter 7, verse 24, Hearken unto me now. Here comes the voice that we need to say, you know what, I want to I listen to this voice. See, and there's a lot of things that go on. You know, I, I hear a lot about, oh, my father was mean. I never had a relationship with my dad, and it's always like this. He's supposed to be that way. Now, you, you notice that you didn't get the rising amen. See, Jesus had a father, and he went and said he, he was heard in that he knew that he could save him from death. He pleaded with his father knowing that his father could save him from death, but it was not the will of God. Now, you can say that nicely, you can say that quietly, you can say that with tears, but when it comes right down to it, son, I want you to bear the cross. There is not a way to get out of that. It will cost you your life. Son, I'm speaking the truth to you. And the truth needs to be something that we love and embrace and flee from the strange woman. Not that strange that we don't know her. It's strange in the way that the path is not our path. It's strange that it takes us away from our calling. And there comes a place to where Jesus would say, I put my life aside and I do that. I, I, this would seem good for the moment. But Father, your will be done. And the, he starts pruning. Hearken unto me now, therefore, children, and attend unto my words. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Now see, that nobody wants to be talked to like that. How many, nobody, I, don't, I don't want to be talked to like that. You need the change. Amen. See, now again, you're being, there's a stuff in us because we're affected by the world to not rise up and say, Amen. You know, that's right. My branches are going all out. Now, you don't have to say Amen if you don't want to. But I would suggest that, and I, I'm, like I said, I'm not preaching as one who's attained, but I'm preaching to one who's got all kinds of branches sticking out and God is just always having to cut them off. Let not, your heart, let not thine heart incline to her ways. Don't go that way. I know it looks tempting. I know you think it's right. I know that. But son, don't do that. How many people like to be told that? How many people would like that? I have a nice little cupcake for you and got a... No, that's okay. Give, you know, we give cupcakes and stuff too, but it's got to come to a place to where you hear what the Father's saying and say, that's what I'm called to do. That's all. Uh, see, we again we're inundated with a with a with a the, the the spirit of this age. Paul talks about be strong like a good soldier. Why? So you can endure some hardness. Your feelings are going to get hurt. As a matter of fact, the word of God is given so your feelings do get hurt. And it seems like Jesus cares nothing about that whatsoever. That's one of those strange things about God. How many people have ever, besides me, have whined to God, you just don't care about my feelings. I'm just so hurt. I've tried and you just don't care. No, I don't care. I mean, he cares in the ultimate sense that he loves us, but my feelings are misdirected. They're all about me. Peter would get up. The 
Peter that, I mean, he was close to Jesus. This is again another place where, I mean, how many people have said, man, if, man, if Jesus was only here, we'd be doing better. No, you'd probably be rebuked a lot more. But Jesus is still here just as He was in the body of Jesus. It takes the same faith to believe that God is speaking to you today as if Jesus was standing here. So Peter is inspired. He just got a revelation from God. You know that getting a revelation from God is no guarantee that you know anything? It's like a light bulb. A light bulb is no good on its own. It needs something coming into it to light it up. But sometimes we get it, we go, wow, my bright. And we start to like try to shine on ourselves, and it, it just doesn't, it doesn't good. So Peter gets all excited. He just gives a revelation, and God, Jesus says to Peter, you didn't get that on your own. He doesn't hear this real well. You didn't get that on your own. God told you. Now, Jesus speaks that to them, but we don't hear those things because we're so caught up with, man, I just got it right, and man, I must know what I'm... You didn't get that on your own. So Peter then rises up and basically rebukes Jesus in front of all the disciples. Now, I think Jesus should have been a little more politically correct, a little more sensitive to Peter's feeling. Maybe pulled him aside at another time and told him, Peter, you know I, you know, you got it right and go on to the 50-minute discourse. You know, a lot of our counseling would just stop and we'd go on moving a little more productive if you could take a little bit more. Peter, shut up. You're talking like the devil. You're wrong. Now, what's really interesting about that, you don't hear anything else about it. He doesn't have to go in for, you know, a psychiatric evaluation. He doesn't have to go in for 30 minutes of counseling. He doesn't have to, you know, bring in, you know, have an intervention. He just said, thank you. And, I mean, how embarrassing. In front of all the disciples, you get rebuked for trying to say... It seems like God's ways are not our ways. Now, how many of us would act like that? No. Well, and because we don't act like that, we think then we are correct. But I've got to say, my goodness, that's not the way he did it. So, Lord, help me. Okay, now, before we move on here to chapter 8, because we're going to, there's, again, chapter 8 is right after chapter 7. That's very deep. Okay? But I think there's a reason for it. We have the foolish woman, the seductive woman, the one that's not wise, and then God is going to now make a comparison. But many times, and we're going to, as we read through the, the, the chapter on wisdom here, it's going to talk about counsel. Now, I think many times we don't understand the nature of counsel, because Bible talks, we'll get to it, but it says, counsel is mine, wisdom is speaking. I don't think we know how to properly discern between counsel and temptation. See, because temptation is kind of a type of counseling. So you, you read back on that the, 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 the strange woman back there. She's starting to counsel with this guy. But it's not the counsel of his house. It's not the counsel of his father. And we need to discern between counsel and temptation. The reason temptation is tempting is because somewhere along that, it hits a core of response that says, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, I think that's the right thing. And many times we'll actually say, I think that's God. So, discerning between counsel and temptation. All right, now, let's look at the different voice here that takes place. Chapter 8. Does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? Now, both of these situations... 
or on the street or actually in life. The strange woman, the harlot woman is there. She's speaking. And the, the, the woman that's personified, the woman wisdom, is crying out in the street. But there is... Wisdom is something that has to be attained to. We're going to read it here. It's something that I need to seek after. It's almost like I choose wisdom, I forsake this. The harlot woman, being stupid, being natural, is not something you have to work at. So it's very easy to go that way. But wisdom means I forsake this and I do that. Even though that she looks like grandma, she looks pretty tempting. Okay? Are you following me? This one I have to say, I put this aside because this is the right teaching. This one just turn these stones into bread. Well, yeah, I want to do that, so I... It'd be harder to say, I want to do that in my natural, but wisdom or God is saying, don't do that. So it's a rejection of one, just like when we get married, forsaking all others. I cleave to this woman. Now, the temptation's going to come, just like when you're called of God. There's a calling that God has in your life. And Jesus actually t- tries that, t- that tries to speak to the people. The 5,000 leave. Again, I don't understand why God does these things. 5,000 leave because they were offended at hearing the truth. They were offended at hearing the truth. And Jesus would turn to the disciples and said, Will you leave also? And there was a... They said, No, we're making this choice to hear you. Now, this is where God is going to allow us to come in each of our lives where temptation comes and counsel or wisdom comes and then we have to discern between them and say I choose to make this choice even though that smells like cinnamon and it looks pretty good okay does not wisdom cry in the street and understanding she stands in the top of the high places by the way in the places of the path she cries at the gates at the entry of the city at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call my voice to the sons of men. O ye simple, understand wisdom. Ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Now, see, sometimes we read that and we go, well, how come I can't hear wisdom then? Because, I mean, then again, in the first book of Proverbs, it talks about wisdom is crying in the street. And then they, well, well I mean, if it's crying, how come we can't hear it? Because here you got this other woman standing on the street corner and she's, and man, it's like, oh, there I am. Oh, what did you want? But here wisdom is crying out. And suddenly we say, we, why don't we hear it? Because I have to forsake her to hear wisdom. Grandma's house always has good pillow. Okay, it always smells like mothballs. She's always pinching your cheeks. At some point I will have to divide and say, oh... I choose to hear wisdom. See, the Bible says, choose it. We're going to read more. But see, the Bible talks about the sheep hear his voice. doesn't mean like they're deaf to anything else. But they say, oh no, that's, that's, what, that's what I do. And that means most, most probably, that means one of your branches will have to be lopped off. Most probably you're going to have to embrace the suffering Ephesians, that great, wonderful book of Ephesians, that I might be conformed unto his death. That that suffering would work in me. Now, see, again, I don't like suffering. How many people here like suffering? No, we don't like it. So what does it naturally does? 
I can tell you a place where you don't have to suffer. And you know what? I've already been to church. It's okay. Church is a great thing, but it doesn't do it all. You can go to church and still run around with the harlot. You can go to, and I'm not talking about the physical woman. We can be adulterated in our mind. It says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He was single-minded. He was tempted in all points like as we are. He was tempted to be king. They were going to make him king. Do you know what good you could do as king? Especially if you were God. No. Well, that doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't make sense to you. But God has a purpose. See, I don't know if the tree kind of like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of energy to grow a tree. I mean, you, I mean, you think about it. They actually grow branches that you can climb on. And, I mean, they're, they're thick. I mean, takes, especially out here in the desert, I'm amazed that anything grows. They can actually produce beautiful flowers. And I don't know where they're getting all the stuff from. But sometimes we think, oh, man, what a waste. It took me all this time to grow the branch. Why doesn't God just make nice trees? I don't know. But sometimes we work so hard and, oh, make a deal with the Gibeonites. We're going to sell all our goods and, or we make a mistake. Or we... And God says, no. Now, at that point, we say, okay, cut that off. You know, most of us really aren't worried too much about wasting stuff for ourselves. But when wasting stuff for God, we're really gym tight. You know, oh, man, I don't want to... But we, man, we think nothing of, oh, I'm running to Phoenix, I'm going to New Mexico, I'm going here, I'm taking a vacation. How many people here were led of spirit to do that? Well, you couldn't care less. How many people prayed about going to the buffet last week? I don't know if you went to the buffet last week. Man, God just told me, no. But see, oh, man, I don't, want to, I don't want to work that much for the church. They'll control my life. No, it's better to be controlled by your stomach. Much, much better. Better to be controlled by every stupid appetite you have. See, we have to think nothing about that. For, but somehow when God, who is the God of the universe, who is our Savior, would ask us for three cents, we'd whittle them down to a penny. And, we, and, we, and, we, and, and then the, 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 the strange thing is if you talk amongst everybody, you say, yeah, that was a good thing. You made a good deal. No one, Jesus would say, no, that was the wrong thing to do. But I gave all my energy. I know you... God is not concerned how much energy you spent. I don't know why he didn't just give Noah an ark. Why didn't he just raise him above the, the water for a few days? Why didn't he just zap everybody else and just keep Noah around? I mean, these are the things I go... I don't know if you go through these things, but I, these are the things I go through. Well, he wasted 120 years of his life. Now, I don't know how many times he hit his finger with a hammer. I don't know how many times you got tar down their pants had to collect all those animals. His wife's thinking the guy is a loon. Besides everybody else, me, it seemed like a waste. Well, only because that's the way it seemed like to me. But I look and say, that's not a waste. Lord, prune away. Shape me into what you have. Okay, so learning the difference between counsel and temptation. But sometimes we hear God, wisdom is speaking to us, but we just don't want to hear it because there's too much suffering involved. There's too much changing involved. There's too much sacrifice involved. I'd rather listen to the multitude that says, oh, you know what, it's okay. You know, church doesn't need to be that hard. You know, it's, it's like I told you about the people that when I got saved, you know, the Christians that were smoking dope. I said, why couldn't I be that kind of a Christian? You know, I can love Jesus. That's what the harlot was doing. He says, I've already been to church, paid my vows. It's great. And besides, the master's gone. 
same as the, pro- the proverb that Jesus talked about. The master went away and left us to take care of the house. And after a while, you know what happens? Our thoughts become adulterated. The beautiful wine cellar is such a waste. What would it matter if I had a little? And pretty soon a little becomes, you know, <laughs> so forth. And uh, You know what? I'm tired of dusting the guy's house. He hasn't been around for years, so why don't I? And our thoughts become adulterated. Not because we're, well, we're, we're, we're intrinsically evil, but the, the tree just naturally sprouts out stuff. We need the pruner. Okay? So, wisdom is crying out, and there's this other voice crying out. We need to choose the one to hear. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and open my lips, they shall speak right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. We're not real good at hearing honest, truthful words and conversation. We're much better at shining one another on. Oh, hi, good to see you. How's everything? Oh, you look so good. Even though the guy looks like dirt. You know, oh, you know, and we don't. But Jesus was never like that. He, he was here for a purpose. Now, I know there's, there's politenesses that need to go on. And I, I you know, but we, act, we should more necessarily give ourselves to truth and following because we, the temptation is to, truth is just too ugly. Truth is just too hard. If I speak the truth, someone's not going to like me. Man, if I witness to that person, man, if I stand up for God, you know, and there's a temptation. And so here she comes. Well, take it easy. Speaking the truth in love. You just say, you know what? I love you. Now just how does God deal with you? Has he sent down the million dollars yet? Put you in the mansion? Everything's working out? There's, there's some suffering. Well, that's the way we ought to be. Lord, let me speak truth because there's something of more value than just getting through this natural plane and being totally what we would consider like happy. And what we consider happy is like, and I think maybe, now I, I've noticed there's been, now this, okay, end of message, this is my, I've noticed there's been an increase of the love of animals going on, particularly in America, where once it was very unusual if maybe one or two people in your neighborhood had a dog. Now they have packs of dogs. You know, I have six dogs at my house, three cats and a canary. And now it's not enough just to feed them. You have to, I, I, I was watching, they have holistic pet food. I'm going, wow, that's strange. There's something increasing on us to make us weird. And I don't know how I got off on that, but I think it's just that there's, there's an ever-increasing pressure on us to leave the truth and become this undirected blob. And many times, I think we, we get this idea from, from another spirit that the church or the kingdom of God is undistinguishable or undefined. It's like an amoeba. It just kind of, and then it goes around. The, but the Bible says it's a body. It has form. It has structure. According to the life of the Lord, it was prophesied. There were certain things that had to take place. I believe that is what wisdom is saying. If you hear wisdom, this is what's happening. Because the natural, natural man wants to be 
an amoeba. Just, well, I just kind of going around like this, avoiding suffering, avoiding confrontation, avoiding this. But that Jesus was created a man and a body to speak the truth. And like I said, truth sometimes is hard to hear. And I believe as a people of God, we ought to be speaking the truth. All right. Verse 10. Receive my instruction and not silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. Now again, receive it. See, there comes, oh wait a minute, I choose now to hear that word. See, that's the difference between counsel or wisdom and temptation. Temptation is just, man, just something naturally pulling at us. Wisdom says, okay, I receive that. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that are desired are not to be compared to her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of the witty inventions. Now, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I looked up that word prudence because I didn't know what it meant. Prudence. Now, Jesus says in another place, be, wise, be harmless as doves, but wise as serpents. That word prudence is really like tricky, but in a good sense. Not simple. You'll hear over and over again in the book of Proverbs, God has nothing good to say about simple people. People that are just, oh, well, I don't know anything. I'm just kind of being led. And I don't. It says you read the signs of the times. Jesus talks about. It says, A wise man sees evil coming and takes preparation. The Proverbs 31, that, that virtuous woman, she's, she's got some things. She's not simple-minded. She's not just, well, I'm just led. She's got some instruction. She knows where her house is. She knows what she should be doing. So when temptation comes, she can reject it. This is who I am. This is where I belong. Not like, well, I don't know and I just make up my own traditions. This is wisdom. And so we need to get a more discerning. The word, uh, that's what prudence has, discernment, trickiness, in a sense that we're not just stupid. Oh, well, we just love Jesus and whatever comes along. Jesus never acted like that. I'm going to the cross. This is my purpose. This is what I'm doing. But see, again, we live in an age that if you start speaking what you know is true, well, then you're a hate monger and you're this and you're that. Do whatever you need to do. That's why we need to be speaking the truth and not succumbing to this world. Okay. For wisdom is... Okay. For the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, arrogance, the evil way, the forward mouth do I hate. Now, most of the time when we're speaking temptation or things about our own appetite or our own lust, we're pretty forward about them. We're not embarrassed to say, man, I don't want to do that, and you can't make me do that, and who do you think you are, and I, I want to buy this, and I'll do that. But the Bible says that's a, that's a forward mouth. We shouldn't be that way. That's, that's Im- impotent. Remember that word? She has an impotent face. She's brash. She's going to, man, I want to do what I That's not the, we look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, Jesus was the truth, but he wasn't, man, this is who I am, and you better meek and lowly in heart, in so much that you could miss Him. In so much that God could walk right by you and you'd never notice. And that's why many times we don't hear the wisdom that's crying out. She's not wearing hot pants. She's not decked out tempting you in every way. She just walks by like the Lord Jesus Christ that we should not desire Him unless... Oh, wait a minute. Who just went? That's wisdom. 
Naturally, it's not saying that. See, even in the natural today, I would not recognize the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's only because He has called me, He has chosen me, He has kept me, and says, this is who I am, then we have to reject those other things. Even though, man, I want... This is what I need to hear. And there's a changing of my mind. That's not to say that person in hot pants doesn't look good. Now, please forgive me. I'm just trying to relate to something. See, sometimes we think, oh, well, man, he just just naturally likes to, to, to do that. No, I don't like to naturally do that. But what I'm saying is this word is true. And I am wrong and you are wrong. And we must come to the the value of saying, God, you are correct. I will do your word no matter what it costs me. Now, if that is not the governing part of our life, Susie in hot pants is going to look good. And your ideas are going to look good. And every man goes around, as it says in the book of Judges, at at that time there was no vision, there was no defining point. Every man did that which was right in their own sight. And they went this way and they went that way and everything's okay and we're all serving God. No, it is not okay. There is a call and a purpose for you and wisdom is speaking and it's got to be, I hear wisdom. And I start saying, you know what, I still have these funny ideas. I still think like this, but I reject that. I'm going to hear wisdom. Now, if you don't do that, temptation is going to come about in the form of counsel and draw you away. We don't want to have you pride. See, those evil things, pride. None of the, you know, it, it, the, mo- the seven deadly sins are not one of them mentioned in my list. Murder, or it's pride. Oh, boy. Jesus was not a proud man. He was a humble man. He says, be clothed with humility. You know what that means? Not thinking you're better than somebody else. Not thinking you know more than anybody else. And that means I'll hear wisdom. I'll hear instruction. Arrogance. Okay. Verse 14. I want to get to this. Counsel is mind and sound wisdom. I am understanding and I have strength. I'm going to have to end there. Wisdom talks about this concept or truth of counsel is mine. See, there is a place to where wisdom wants to speak. God wants to speak to you in counsel. We must give ourselves to that. And we're going to talk about that in in the time to come. See, many times we don't give place to that. We give place to temptation because it feels good. Because I am proud and I can figure it out myself and nobody tells me what to do. See, even that, even for me to say that, there's not a there's a hard place to find a place of reception in that, isn't there? Because basically, even here amongst us, we say nobody tells me what to do. Nobody wants to tell you what to do, including God. God is so meek and mild. He's screaming right here this morning. He, as he talks about in the Book of Proverbs, we don't have to hear him. How many people walked right by Jesus and would not get saved? How many were sick in Israel and would not get healed? How many would not get saved? Nobody, God is not here to force you into some kind of a weird place. But He is crying out saying, Children, this is who I am. And those that have ears to hear will say, We found something better than life. I found something better than pride. I found something better than living my own life. I found something better than always just being tempted by my own lust. I found a new way of living. I found a... Did we find that? And yes, many of us found it. But you know what happens after a while? Branches start growing out. 
And you know those branches are just as nice as the other branches. They're not cancerous tumors. They got the same leaves. They've got the same sap. They've got, they're just not according to the plan and the purpose that God has. And God wants to shape us into now. If you don't know your plan and purpose, any branch will do. Any saying will do. Any woman will do. Any church will do. Anything that comes into my mind will do. And that's why I talked about it. It seems like God doesn't concern too much about people not getting it right the first time, making mistakes. But there's a place where he's now going to instruct us on how to hear his wisdom and actually be pruned. It's called counsel. Hearing counsel. When we submit ourselves to counsel, it prunes us and it starts letting me be shaped in my mind to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen? Amen. Okay. We're going to have a picnic. So at Coppinger Park. Let's pray and be dismissed. Amen. Lord Jesus, pray your will be done through all these words and things that are spoken, Father. I pray you, Holy Spirit, would bring forth the things of Jesus in each of our lives and as a church. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.